0: Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. For the first time in more than a decade, Tucson's Ward 1 seat on the City Council is up for grabs. Four Democrats are running to fill the seat left open by Councilwoman Rahina Romero, who's running for mayor. On today's show, we talk with the candidates hoping to replace her. The four Democrats will face off in next month's primary we asked all of them similar questions to give voters the best look at who will represent them first up is lane santa cruz a community activist who spent time working in the ward 1 office as an aide to romero
1: as an organizer i believe that we need uh, multiple strategies uh, for getting work done and having done the work at like the grassroots level also in academia I think that uh, representation in our local government is another way um, to bring those two worlds together for me, especially since that's where I've uh, grown up.
0: Since you've been in the community, as as you said, as a community organizer and a native uh, of here, what's the most pressing issue for voters in Ward 1?
1: Uh, well, historically, we have um, some of the lowest voter turnout, you know, in, in that part of the city. I think as much as like 30% of the population is registered to vote, and then a smaller percentage actually shows up. And I think for a long time, we've just haven't seen ourselves represented, you know, like in and the people we elect into office at all the different levels. So I think... Um, Like I'm really interested in addressing these issues of like disenfranchisement, you know, especially some of the neighborhoods where we have older, you know, our our aging, our elders um, and like our younger folks aren't really connected to what's happening
0: here locally. What are some things that the city council can do to make the voters in Ward 1 who you say feel kind of disenfranchised feel part of the system again?
1: I think it's important to have their elected officials out there, you know, that they see them, that they feel like they're accessible. To them. I was part of starting this group called Afuga, Families United Gaining Accessibility, and we've started doing bike rides on the south side. Um, We're celebrating our one year anniversary, and um, we were just using the bike as a tool to like organize and bring families and community together. But as we're riding, you know, through the south side, we're seeing things from a different perspective of like, look, this area is really dark if you're traveling outside a car, you know, when we're talking about the high like pedestrian. Um, fatalities that we see on our roads, or seeing like, there's so many potholes, (laughs) you know? And these are all reasons why um, people feel like the, the, feel the historical disinvestment and wouldn't even know where to start. But something as simple as a bike ride, we're having those conversations about um, what would encourage us to get out more this way, and then what is our responsibility in like holding our elected officials accountable, you know, for that investment.
0: We did a series here at AZPM on housing recently, and the issue of gentrification came up, and that's a big topic in Ward 1. Is there anything that you as a member of the city council, if elected, can do to deal with gentrification, especially in Ward 1?
1: Well, we definitely have an affordable housing shortage and that's not just our our low income housing, which is part of it, but it's also our workforce housing. So making sure that people who are teachers, you know, are able to live in the city and afford to do that without having to live out in the county and commute into their place of work. Uh, So uh, definitely prioritizing that, like any new development coming in, having a 20, 30 percent of it designated towards affordable housing. Uh, We also can be working with the county on uh, making sure that we're freezing property taxes for families who've been there, you know, for a long time and to keep them that way uh, until they decide to sell or, or they move on.
0: The city, the Marin Council, earlier this year agreed to raise the minimum wage over a couple of years to $15 an hour for city employees. If you're on the council, does that need to be expanded citywide, not just city employees?
1: For sure. For sure. Uh, I know that it is, um, you know, having been on that side at, at points in my life where I was making $9 an hour and having two children, um, this was a couple years back, um, and still having to be on food stamps when you're working full time, it's it's unacceptable. So people should be able to make a wage that allows them um, uh, to pay you know, for, for their rent or their mortgage, uh, for food, and for childcare.
0: On the November ballot will be a question about making Tucson a sanctuary city that all the Tucson voters will get to chime in on. All the mayoral candidates said, maybe that's not the best idea. What do you think? If you're elected, you'll have to deal with that decision no matter which way the voters go with it.
1: Uh, Well, you know, I support the initiative. Like I said, I I support multiple uh, strategies. And I know that is a way to protect our our most vulnerable in our community here. Uh, At the same time, we got to continue. For me, it's like uh, having accountability measures for our Tucson Police Department is part of it. Uh, But we also don't live in a vacuum here in the city. You know, we have other jurisdictions like the sheriff's and DPS, Um, and for the past five years, those have been the entities that have been collaborating with ICE.
0: I know the mayoral candidates all uh, understood the idea behind it, but they were very worried that the state will pull state dollars, we could lose federal dollars in Tucson. How do you balance all that?
1: It's a valid concern, and I think on on the other side, sometimes we have to stick our neck out um, and push back against the state and not let the state. Um, my, like, you know, they have this history of micromanaging the city and threatening, if you don't do this, we'll take that. Um, so I think it's important that we stand up to them uh, and also work towards changing what the state legislature looks like.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. That was Lane Santa Cruz, the first of four Democratic candidates for the Ward 1 city council seat. Next, we spoke with Miguel Ortega. He's a media consultant with experience in city government.
2: He was an aide to former city councilwoman Karen Ulick. I think that folks are really uh, craving more courageous um, voices at the council and just elected officials in general. Nationally, we've seen that people are just not tolerating elected officials that are mild or meek. Um, They want someone, they want people that will fight for them. Does that
0: mean sitting on your position and loudly staying on that position? Um, because we certainly see that in Washington sometimes, or is there still room for compromise without being mild
2: and meek? Well, if, uh, certainly there's there's room for compromise, and I feel very proud of my uh, experience. That was the Chief of Staff for Council member, member Karen Ulick, and you do have to know how to navigate uh, the bureaucracy of the city. You do have to know how to work with other council members, and I have a proven track record of that. Um, so you can be both passionate and Uh, really fight for residents, and at the same time be pragmatic and work alongside with even colleagues that you may disagree with. There's one thing that I think that has been really resonating with folks, and that's the need for a more open, transparent, and responsive local government. The meetings are
0: open with the exception of executive session when you're talking about lawsuits and things like that. How do you
2: make the government more open? Absolutely. Well, there's one specific thing that uh, I think a lot of neighborhood leaders have uh, have seen. 12 to 15 years ago, the mayor and council used to meet on a regular basis. We actually used to meet four times a month every Tuesday, with the exception of a fifth Tuesday. It was a vigorous uh, schedule. That's important because the more open conversations that we have, the less likely that some a bad idea will move forward, and sometimes folks push bad ideas because they, they don't have the best interests in mind of the community, and sometimes they just don't have uh, council members that are pushing for that. Now, once elected, if, I, if I'm lucky enough to be elected, the first thing I'll, I'll do is ask to return to that because now we have only have mayor and council meetings uh, maybe twice a month. I would also push for adding a call to the audience segment to study sessions.
0: Here at ACPM, we we recently did a series on affordable housing, which is a big topic in Tucson as a whole, but especially in Ward 1, the, the ward you wanna represent. What thoughts do you have on how the city can approach development and
2: housing, but also keep neighborhoods affordable? Well, I know that the Mayor and Council recently has uh, established a task force to review uh, gentrification. Um, And I think that's a good start. But my concern is that that doesn't really underscore the sense of urgency that we should have. Uh, Right now, uh, I can say that there is community leaders that are basically make up a, a... a community grassroots task force themselves. They already have a lot of great ideas. So I think that um, we should really not think about task forces and conversations. We should think about action. Um, I was, uh, I created the uh, Move Your Meetings uh, project when the modern streetcar was being built to help local mom and pops that were losing, you know, customers during construction. The idea was to bring people in to restaurants and cafes and have them have their meetings there at least once a month or so. So there's a lot of programs. That are available to mitigate these uh, pressures. Um, And we do need a more robust educational campaign to let folks know to senior citizens who want to keep their their homes, that want to have relief when their property taxes are going up. But we need to go a lot further and make sure that the mayor and council has a sense of urgency in addressing gentrification issues.
0: You said on your website that you would give neighborhoods like Barrio Hollywood and Menlo
2: a seat at the table. Do they not? get heard? I feel like there's been a lot of uh, projects that uh, are uh, basically Done uh, in in the process uh, before residents have an, a chance to engage. A f- perfect example of that is what happened at the Rio uh, golf course. You know that area that's open space, green open space. The trees alone are worth seven million dollars, and uh, uh, we uh, the, the leaders there uh, took the city to court and won. Uh, and basically challenging them in um, in hiding information and not being as transparent as they, as they need to be.
0: Tucson Mayor Jonathan Rothschild recently held a news conference urging the federal government to not roll back car emission standards. Is there anything that the council can do to deal with reducing emissions?
2: Well, let's start with um, making sure that staff and elected officials act with a sense of urgency, that they not only recognize that climate change is real, but actually put policies in a sense of urgency into action.
0: On the November ballot, Tucson voters will have, it looks like, the opportunity to decide whether or not Tucson should be officially a sanctuary city. Is that a good idea to officially make Tucson a
2: sanctuary city? It is absolutely a good idea. And in fact, I came out in support of the Tucson Families Free and Together Initiative uh, way back when I announced back in February, January, February, soon after that. I researched it, I read it, and uh, I I think it's a great initiative. In talking to
0: the mayoral candidates, they all came out against the Sanctuary Initiative. They said it was an interesting idea, but it could cost the city so much in state and federal dollars How do you balance your support of it with the potential loss of millions
2: and millions of dollars in a tight budget? You know, that's just fear-mongering. That's not true. In fact, uh, other communities uh, throughout the nation have been uh, told the exact same thing, and it it has proven not to be uh, the result.
0: All right. Well, thanks for sitting down with us.
2: Thank you so much for the opportunity. That was Miguel Ortega, a
0: Democratic candidate for the city of Tucson's Ward 1. This week we're talking with the candidates for the open race for the Ward 1 seat on the Tucson City Council. There are four Democrats competing in the August primary. The winner moves on to the November election. Sam Nagy is running as a Republican write-in. If he gets 84 primary votes, he'll face the Democratic winner in November. Democrat Rob Elias is a former banker and professional baseball player who now works for the Tucson Botanical Gardens. You know, one of the things that I see in Tucson is
3: I see the potential that that we have here. I think uh, the mayor and current uh, current council members have done a good job over the past eight years balancing the development and the heritage and traditions and cultures that we have here in Tucson. Those things can never change, and I really want to be I want to have a seat at the table to see us progress. I have a ten year old little girl, and she's the love of my life, and I I want her to be proud of me, and I want to be able to. Uh, I want to make help make Tucson a place that she wants to stay for the rest of her life.
0: What do you see as the pressing issues in Ward 1? I
3: think balancing growth with maintaining the heritage and preserving our neighborhoods. It's The West Side is a very historic neighborhood. We have these pockets of beauty, and I don't really want those things to change, but it cannot inhibit our growth at the same time. I think both things are attainable so long as we open up the discussion and have authentic, genuine conversations with our neighbors and let them know the things that are coming into town, what's the possibility of coming into town, and how can we help um, kind of adapt those businesses to the cultures and, and um, heritage and traditions that we have.
0: We at Arizona Public Media recently did a series on on the radio about housing and affordable housing we talked about gentrification. That's a big issue in Ward 1. Is there anything as a member of the city council you can do to deal with gentrification while at the same time expanding, as you said, business and things like that?
3: Yeah, there certainly is. And I and I believe uh, the city manager has done a good job and the mayor and council have done a good job being proactive in trying to mitigate uh, gentrification. And so the programs that, that we put in place here within the city Uh, programs like the uh, Healthy Home Rehab uh, program, which can give homeowners up to $40,000 to improve their home, which will let let them um, live in place longer. I think that's something that is fantastic. And we need to continue to fund those, but we also need to do a better job telling people that we have them. But beyond that, the thing that people are concerned about is the changing of the cultural character of the neighborhoods. So one of the things that that I'm proposing on my first day in office is to create a neighborhood preservation advisory board and get leaders from the different communities within Ward 1, and let's have a seat at the table, and let's meet monthly, maybe quarterly, and say, what are the issues? What are your concerns? What are your suggestions? You
0: mentioned talking with the neighbors and the neighborhood associations and things like that a lot. What are you hearing are the issues that people want the city to solve right now? It really depends on the pocket of neighborhood I'm I'm
3: at. Um, People down in Midvale are concerned about the, the condition of their neighborhood roads, as they should be. Other pockets the neighborhood is just accessibility. How can I get in front of my council member? How can I express my concerns? Other pockets is our parks are terrible. our our neighborhood pool hasn't been open in in
0: ten years. Can we get that fixed? Um, and every one of them have a valid point. Mayor Rothschild recently held a news conference. Uh, urging Congress to oppose and stop some federal rollbacks of car emission standards. Is there anything that, as a member of the City Council, youth could do to help the city reduce emissions and and deal with climate change on a city level?
3: There are things that, that I believe that we can do. Now, we are going to need help and support from the state because the state has kind of a death grip over, over local municipalities. And that's some, not something that I'm particularly happy about in many issues, but certainly uh, climate change is one of them. What we need to do is make a few small steps and encourage people to, you know, stop, stop drinking uh, plastic bottled water. Stop getting plastic grocery store or gro- grocery bags at the grocery store. Stop using straws. It's the single use plastics that are really, that is causing a lot of this beyond that we need to do a better job with our city recycling program. We have a great recycling program, but our citizens are not very good at abiding
0: by it. In April, the Marin Council passed an increase in the minimum wage for city employees that will be stepped up to $15 over time. Does the Marin Council need to go back, if you're especially if you're a member, to go back and look at increasing the minimum wage citywide? It's something that should always be explored the it's it's proven that
3: the more you pay people the better the economy is they have more money to spend on on consumer products and local businesses thrive from that what i believe we need to focus on in addition to that is do a better job with financial literacy there are great programs out there that are that are hosted and conducted by local banks and local credit unions we can pay people 25 dollars an hour but if they're misusing it and they still don't have enough it's not really an issue of we're not paying enough is that you're not spending it responsibly.
0: On the November ballot will be a citizen initiative that, if passed, would declare Tucson a sanctuary city. If you're elected, you will have to deal with that if it passes. Is that a good idea?
3: It is something that the, that the citizens of Tucson need to decide, and if that's something that is the will of the people, then I'll be more than happy to support that, and we just need to be mindful of that consequences that will, that will come. Should we be deemed a sanctuary city, we'll have, certainly have a fight on our hands at the state level. And if that's something that the citizens want us to take up, then it's a fight we'll have.
0: All right. Well, thanks for sitting down with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. That was candidate Rob Elias. We now turn to Sammy Hamed. He's a former staffer for Congressman Raul Grijalva.
4: I've been involved in community service for a long time. And, you know, I've done it for a lot of years, and I just want to take it to the next level and do this. and willing to... Uh, how it makes you sound better, but I'm willing to give up a lot in, the, in, the, in doing that as well, actually. Uh, um, you know, it takes a lot of time, a lot of sacrifice, and I'm willing to give it up. I've done it in certain things already in my life, as you know, but I'm willing to do this now for four years especially.
0: When it comes to the issues of the day, what's the most pressing thing for the voters in Ward 1? Getting roads repaired.
4: Now, I'm not talking about the big streets. Those are being fixed as a result of uh, Prop 101. I'm talking about the smaller neighborhood streets that have not been repaired in God knows how long. And that's what neighbors tell me. say, look, if you're elected to council, I want you to fix our roads. And I tell them that'll be my commitment then.
0: The general fund has a finite amount of money, despite what we all want necessarily. Is there something in particular you say, okay, we can find some savings here. We can cut back on that a little bit to, to get some money for roads?
4: We could probably rededicate some of that herf money that we use for the major streets to use it for the more of the neighborhood streets as well. That would be one source, if you will, uh, to do actually. And even some of our just our general sales tax revenue money as well, I would look at for that and also look at other ideas or proposals that either I could think of if I'm elected or um, that are brought to my attention, I would be open to considering.
0: Talking about roads and creativity, the mayor held a news conference recently Asking Congress to keep uh, the Trump administration from rolling back uh, emission standards for cars. Is there anything the city council could do if you're on the city council to help with
4: pollution and help with climate change? You know, we could do some things of climate change, if we'll. When it comes to things like emissions, no, we can't. We have to leave that to the legislators up in Phoenix to handle that aspect, if you will, or even to the delegation in Washington. But what we could do to alleviate climate change is we could plant more trees. That's one thing we could definitely do to help do that, to bring more shade, if you will, and co- help cool our city down, if you will, and things like that. But, Chris, the issue of climate change isn't just extreme heat. It's also extreme cold, and we just experienced that this winter recently. Uh, an ex- uh, Unusually really cold winter for Tucson. It wasn't mild by any standard whatsoever.
0: Arizona Public Media did a series on housing and affordable housing recently because so many people are talking about it. As a member of the city council, what can you do to ensure there's affordable
4: housing in our city? The issue of affordable housing, whenever new housing is built, we need to do, we need to use the process of zoning, which is the, the key number one tool of the city council. And we need to demand uh, that a certain percentage, even more than the usual, is put aside for affordable housing. But not just building affordable housing, Chris, but also maintaining the affordable housing we have right now or the housing housing stock. Right now, uh, while knocking on some doors not too long ago, I'm hearing about the issue of gentrification. And gentrification is not in the aspect in the sense of people saying, well, you know, Sammy, my property taxes and values are going too high. I can't afford it. No, that's not the aspect of gentrification I hear about. I hear about people saying, look, Sammy, I've lived in my home for 30, 40 years. Yeah, I own it. But... I can't afford to maintain it. We should look at the aspect of of the the issue of maintenance for homes, but also the aspect of keeping people in their homes to make them affordable to live in when it comes to those maintenance costs. When we talk
0: about affordability, a lot of people also talk about living wages. The city of Tucson, the mayor and council specifically, raised the minimum wage for city employees earlier this year. Does the, the council and the mayor need to look at raising it for all of
4: Tucson, not just city employees? We could consider the question if we will, if, if anything, we can consider it. If we don't do it by all ourselves, you know what? If we don't do it, the voters will do it, as we can tell. They're only they're really not afraid to use the um, city initiative process to put things in the city charter and things like that. As a city, we should consider obviously uh, increasing the wage to make it more livable and affordable.
0: Voters in November in the city of Tucson are going to have the uh, question put in front of them whether or not the city should become officially a sanctuary city. What do
4: you think? Well, you know, Chris, uh, uh, I wrestled with the question of sanctuary for a long time, but I'm for it. I came out for it. And the reason I came out for it was because uh, I met a woman one day at Valencia Library where I volunteer one night a week for Pima College Adult Education as a citizenship instructor. She is an undocumented immigrant who's a victim of domestic violence, a mother of two kids who was being beaten by her husband, and... She did call the police when this occurred. She said her husband was moved out of the house, but she was afraid for her lives and her kids' lives because he could come back there. But not just that, she was trying to get the protection and protection and the assistance that would come, like with an order of protection. And I support sanctuary cities because of uh, stories like this woman who I met, who uh, would be protected. It doesn't protect the criminals, like other people say out there. It protects the victims of crime to to come out and report a crime like she did. That's pretty brave because she was risking deportation or risking the police turning her over to ICE and putting a, a detainer on her as a result. And that takes a lot to do. Then I think we need to we need to look at the most vulnerable of our community, when they, who the initiative or protect, such as people like her and other victims of crime who are doing the right thing by reporting it.
0: There are those who say it's a great idea, but uh, the city of Tucson could lose a lot of money, millions of dollars from the state. How do you balance that argument?
4: Well, first and foremost, uh, other cities that have done it, they haven't lost anything. They've all withstood legal court challenges, actually. So that's in, that's in the city's favor, if you will. Second of all, when it comes to the issue of money, like saying we could lose up to 150 million, they've been saying, how can you put a price on somebody's life? How can you put a price on someone doing the right thing? Who could be a victim of crime, or you know, even be a, a victim of a murder, if you will? When it comes down to it, it's a question of um, humanity, compassion, and not about the overall bottom line. All right, Sammy, well, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Chris, thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: That was Democratic candidate for Tucson City Council, Sammy Hammett. In Tucson City elections, primaries are ward only. But in the general election, all voters can vote for representatives in all of the wards. And that's the buzz for this week. On July 24th, we'll be hosting a live show in Tucson discussing neighborhood change and gentrification. We want your thoughts. Call 520-621-5999 and leave us a voicemail about how your neighborhood has changed and how that's affected you. Once again, the number is 520-621-5999. You can find event details including free ticket information on our website and social media pages. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Ariana Brocious produced and edited the show. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Andrea Kelly is the news director. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening.